0: Good morning. We welcome you to the live stream worship service here at Mayflower. We are overjoyed that you are with us here today. We trust that the spirit of the living God is active and guides us as we seek to worship with all of our hearts. I am the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and I serve with the Reverend Dr. Jonathan White as your interim pastoral team. Along with our music director, Dr. Julia Brown, and Scott Bosher, our choir director, we are honored to be leading the worship service this morning. This week, we grieve the passing of civil rights champion John Lewis. We also grieve, as a church family, the death of E.L. Shireling last Thursday. Please remember the Shireling and Moreland families in your prayers. Well, believe it or not, there are all kinds of things happening in the world of Mayflower. I hope you're checking our Facebook page, our Instagram, as well as our website. If so, you know that our faith formation ministry is in the middle of a summer learning experience called Mayflower Rocks with the hashtag God is my rock. There's a rock display on the front lawn of the church that you're welcome to come visit. You can add a rock, take a rock, or just take time to come and listen to God and settle into God's faithfulness. The Faith Formation Team and Miss Abby are also hosting a Popsicle Drive next month, so watch your mail for details. We are in the final planning for a Mayflower Family Mission experience with New City Kids in August as well as a youth-run car wash with our friends and brothers and sisters at Sudanese Grace. That will be happening in September. Provided that we can do all of these events safely, we are eager to serve our city and continue to be a loving presence to those around us. Please check the website and your email for more details. Last Sunday, we began our summer series titled, Holy Mystery. And this morning we will will be exploring history, specifically the spiritual nature of humanity. We were created for worship. So let us begin our service with a call to worship. God of heaven, your ways are not our ways. We struggle to understand so many things. Yet you In your unfailing love, give us glimpses and visions of your majesty. You provide us with insight and wisdom from above. You grant us the ability to seek you and find you. We are in awe, awestruck wonder. So come, let us worship the majestic and awesome Lord. Please lift your heart with mine for this morning's opening prayer. Holy God, you are immortal, invisible, and the source of all wisdom. We seek your wisdom. Your justice is like a soaring mountain surrounded by clouds of goodness and love. We seek your justice. Life with you is a flourishing life. We seek to flourish. Your light and glory are blindingly bright. And we seek to be people who see and people who reflect your light. Amen. comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, And to the east, to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done which I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Will you join me in prayer? Holy One, open our ears that we may hear. Open our eyes that we may see. Open our minds that we may think and critically analyze. Open our hearts so that we're filled with compassion. And open our hands so that when we leave this place, we leave in service. In the name of the Christ, Amen. We like to think that we are the wise ones. We call ourselves homo sapiens, the wise ones, or the wise primates. And when we compare ourselves to a banana, we are pretty wise, even though we share some genes, quite a bit of, quite a bit of the genetic makeup with the banana. We like to think we're smarter than the chimpanzees, our closest cousins. They use tools, but we use tools to make tools. They use what's at hand. They can communicate, but we can form words with abstract meanings. So we call ourselves the wise ones. That's interesting because we can only see and explore, understand about Five percent of the universe. Twenty-seven percent of the universe is something we don't understand and we don't even know if it's there. Scientists call it dark matter. Sixty-eight percent of the universe interacts with that dark matter. Again, we don't know what it is. Scientists call that dark energy. So the wise ones, we can see and try to understand 5%, and we don't understand 95%. but there's one thing we can say for sure about the homo sapiens who have been on this planet for about two hundred thousand years we roam the planet and wherever we go we bring religion with us we may not be as wise as we think we are but we are religious, even in a modern age, when it's camouflaged. We are Homo Spiritualis, the spiritual ones. Mircea Eliade was an historian of religions. He started out teaching in Romania before World War II. After the war. He went to France and taught, and then in the early 1950s came to the United States and taught at the University of Chicago and at the Divinity School there. He was a prolific writer, writing dozens of books. He also wrote a three-volume history called A History of Religious Thought, where he took the task of trying to describe human religion From the emergence of Homo sapiens to the modern day. And he looks at every religion that we could, that we know about and speculates about some of the religions where we no longer have a record. We only have burial sites or um, other artifacts. Iliadi writes in his introduction to this three volume series, it is difficult to imagine How the human mind could function without the conviction that there is something irreducibly real in the world. It is impossible to imagine how consciousness could appear without conferring meaning on humanity's impulses and experiences. Consciousness of a real and meaningful world is intimately connected to the sacred. Religion has been part of every society, of every culture. We have symbols, we have actions, and we believe they are sacred. Even today, we have rituals that sometimes seem to make no sense to us in a secular world. And they're camouflaged, sacred activities. Part of this is because we live in a paradox. In order for humans to live, we have to kill plants and we have to kill animals. Iliade argues that this creates an intimate relationship with the world, a sacred bond between animals, plants, and humans. And it's that sacred bond that interacts so much with religion. When an animal is killed, we give thanks. Hidden today because most of us, when we're sitting down looking at a hamburger, we're not thinking about the social orders of cows on a farm. We're not thinking about the fact that these are domesticated animals bred from the wild. We use them for dairy products and meat. Sometimes, in some homes, we even say a prayer before we eat. Why do we say a prayer? Well, because that's what we're supposed to do. Where does that meat come from? Well, it comes from the store. It's wrapped in cellophane. Nothing had to suffer. Nothing had to be sacrificed. It's just a good hamburger. Ancient people knew better. Ancient people knew that life was given that we might live. We are linked, Iliade concludes. We are linked with the fundamental unity of religion. And he argues, yes, we could be homo sapien, but we're also homo fabra the constructors, the builders. We're also homo ludens, the people who play, who create art and create music, who tell jokes and simply sit around and have a good time. And finally, we are homo spiritualis. It unites all the other ways we live. We have evidence of Iliade's main thesis. In southern France, there are a series of caves and some of those caves have paintings. In 2010, Werner Herzog uh, made a, a documentary about one particular cave that is not too deep but fairly well hidden from the surface You go down into the cave, it is completely dark. Into the cave, after going down, in the darkness, if you turn on a light, there are pictures of animals, there are pictures of humans, there are imprints of human hands, when a torch or a lamp is moved back and forth, all the animals seem to come alive. Herzog called his documentary, The Cave of Forgotten Dreams. It's a spiritual expression of life after the last ice age. Currently in the south, south of the caves in Africa, in the Kalahari Desert, there's a group of people called the San. The San have a ritual. If there is trouble in a village, if a person is sick, If a person is extremely upset, the sun periodically get together and form a circle with women on the outside and men on the inside. The women start to clap in a rhythm. The men start to dance, taking their feet and moving them down and up and down and up, sinking it with the clapping. This goes on and on and on for hours until one or more of the men simply drop over in what resembles a hypnotic trance. People wait for the dreamer to awaken. When the dreamer awakens, he almost always tells a tale of everything being linked to humanity, of everything coming together. The earth and humans are one. Ironically, or perhaps predictably, sometimes they paint these experiences on cliffs in the desert. The pictures look not exactly, but pretty much like the pictures in the Cave of Forgotten Dreams. One more example, we can cross the Indian Ocean And go to Australia and once again ancient paintings on cliffs depicting unity, depicting humanity, the inevitable handprints, pictures of humans centering in a cosmos in which they exist. Or as Paul says, the God in which we Live, move, and have our being. We are fundamentally a religious species. We are Homo spiritualis. And what of our faith? What is God calling us to be? What did Jesus call us to do? Let's take a look at our two Bible readings this morning. The first reading from Genesis has Jacob on a journey. We're not told where he's gone. We're just told that he's going on a journey. We'll find out that the journey itself is where he's going. It's his destination. He stops on that journey and uses a stone. Mayflower rocks come to the rock garden. He lays his head on a stone, not looking for anything, and he has a dream. In the dream, the Lord is above Angels descend, linking Jacob to the Lord. And angels ascend, taking Jacob to the Lord. The promises are reiterated. I give you this. You're part of this. I'm part of this. You're part of me, and I will always be with you. Jacob awakens and utters the phrase, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. If we read on, Jacob will anoint the rock and call it in English, Bethel. In Hebrew, It is Beit El, the house of God. In Hebrew, Beit, the house, is the center of existence. It holds the family, and the family is linked to everything on the outside. If we look at the second story, it's a little different. Nathanael is looking. Nathanael is trying to understand. He's seeking. He doesn't know what he's seeking. He's looking the wrong way. Philip comes to him and says, We found the Messiah. Really? Where does he come from? Nazareth. I'm seeking God. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And then he encounters the end of his journey, what he was not seeking directly, and yet he finds it. And Jesus says, You will see angels descending. And ascending, and you will see the Son of Man. I must confess, I was in the office of our great secretary, Beth Shimko, who in many ways holds this place together, holds me together, and I said, I'm so happy with my sermon. But I feel like I have an anthropology lecture and a religious lecture. And I'd like it to be something more than that. Beth started talking to me, and the conclusion, I would like to say, was my idea, but it's not. Beth gets the credit for this. If we look at these stories... And we look at the religious nature of humanity, we need to ask what is God calling us to do? Not so much what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus telling us to do? Is our first response to love the church? I love this church. I love the life my family has had at this church. I love the fact that this congregation called and ordained me to ministry. But we're not called to love the church. Well, how about our denomination? Well, not really. Well, how about Protestantism? Since 1517, we followed our own path. Is God calling us to more than that? Are we supposed to love Christianity? Or is God calling us to more than that? Are we supposed to look back, look at our world, and say, we love that? As the Cassini spacecraft Zoom plus the gas, gaseous planets. It took a picture back at the earth. We can see our sun. And as Carl Sagan pointed out, we see a blue dot. Are we to love that blue dot? Everything that ever happened, every religion, every civilization, everything that we know that has ever lived is on that blue dot. Is God calling us more to love more than that? This beautiful creation, is that what we're supposed to do? Love that? Thank you, Beth, for the answer. God's not calling us to love that, those are vehicles. God is calling us to love God. Jesus is calling us to love God. We heard from the Gospel of John this morning. If you read on in the book, you've heard these words before. How do you show that love? Jesus will say, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, they will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, we share many things in Christianity with the other religions currently of the earth and the religions that preceded us. But that fundamental commandment of love gives us our answer of what we're supposed to do to love one another and to love God. And it's as simple as that. On Sunday morning, it seems so easy. When we pray alone, without distraction, it seems so easy. When we're in our family life and community life, it's not quite as easy. And when we are in a world that has a virus, that has violence, that has political intrigue, that has greed, it's not very easy at all. But that is where God is calling us because we are fundamentally united with it. And our religion calls us to take actions with love. Homo spiritualis. That's what we are. In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Abiding Spirit. Amen.
2: John Ness Beck taught at Ohio State University before he went off and founded Beckenhorst Press, a music press company focusing on sacred music. And his anthems are very well known, so much so that Craig Courtney, years later, Transcribed or arranged ten of his favorite anthems for solo voice. Today we hear the quiet heart. The quiet heart talks about, reminds us to quiet ourselves so that we can patiently wait and see the mind of God. So us as homo spiritualis, how can we find and discover what we should be doing and how we can be loving God in this world in a very different um, musical feel our closing hymn a familiar God of grace and God of glory I was reading up on that last night and it was written by Harry Emerson Fosdick in 1930 for the dedication Service of the famous Riverside Church in New York City. We'll be singing just three of those verses, but each one of them ends with a petition, grant us wisdom, grant us courage. And it's interesting to understand what the author means by grant us wisdom and courage for this hour, for living of these days. And if we remember that this was written in 1930, when the United States was in the throes of the Great Depression and when we were between the two wars. And so as we sing these words today, um, shape our understanding with what was happening at that time, but also uh, push yourselves to think about what's going on in our time right now and how these words still speak to us today.
0: As much as we love summer in Michigan, it can also be a time of great distraction. The beautiful weather, the stormy weather, and the change in rhythm are a blessing to many of us, but we can forget to give. The ministry of Mayflower depends on the generosity of those of us who call this church home. There are many ways you can give, you can pick up your phone. And text the word GIVE to 616-344-6255. That's easy. Or you can donate online through our website or the link in the bulletin that was emailed to you. If you did not receive this emailed bulletin, please let us know. We would be happy to add you to the list. And of course, you're welcome to mail a gift to the church Or stop by the portico where there's a special box for envelopes. Thank you for being a blessing and continuing your worship of God by giving generously. Whoa. Thank you, Holy One, for giving to us so that we may give back to you. We dedicate our gifts, tithes, and offerings to you. And we pray that they are used to bring you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. together for our congregational prayer. Dear Lord, we just sang praise to you, giving our praise to you because our blessings flow from you. We acknowledge that as created ones, our praise is directed to you, and we are called to love you. We learned this morning about how we as humans are religious beings. We crave spirituality and we crave worship. We were created to worship, and over history this has been evidenced in myriad ways. Yet we know that we do not always have a heart of worship. This deep spiritual desire can be thwarted or lead us to praise other people or things instead of you. Forgive us. Redeem us. Remind us of the wonder of you and your creation. Remind us that even though the cosmos is unfathomably unfathomably huge, you carry us close to your heart. You have numbered every hair on our head. You care deeply about the details of our lives while simultaneously holding the entire galaxy in the palm of your hand. This, is a holy mystery. In the silence, Lord, hear our prayers of awe and wonder.
3: Oh, Lord. prayers arise unto you. O spirit of the Lord, draw near, dwell within our hearts we pray. O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. Forgive us Redeem us, and create in us a heart of worship. Dwell within our hearts, we pray.
0: Holy God as we sit in this space of awe and wonder, may this prompt a response. Lead us to questions, the right questions, of how we are to now live. Since you are the creator and sustainer of all life, what does this mean for us, your followers? How can we become more like you? As we celebrate the joys of life, Help us to be people who celebrate well and embrace your goodness. And as we mourn and grieve over the losses and tragedies, may we find our comfort in you. This morning, we remember Thora White's family as they are grieving her passing. And today, we pray for special comfort for the Moreland and Shireling families as they grieve the passing of their mother, E.L. Shireling this week. And Lord, of course, we desperately pray for those infected and affected by the COVID virus. This is just beyond what we can even understand or fathom. We pray for health. We pray for healing. We pray for safety. We pray for you. Lord, we feel our humanity. We are limited, we are broken, we experience pain, we live in uncertain and trying times. Yet you gave us your son. We have the model of Jesus, fully human and fully divine. And we are called to be like Jesus. So please help us now. Expand our hearts and our vision. Lord, in the silence, show us the way of Jesus.
3: O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. O Spirit of the Lord, draw near. Dwell within our hearts, we pray. O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. in the silence, expand our hearts, expand our vision, and help us to become more who you created us to be. Dwell within our hearts, we pray.
0: And now, Holy One, we lift up our hearts and voices to you as we pray the words that Jesus shared as the model for prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: us
1: of religion and our faith is God going to take everyone that's not for us to decide Jesus is calling us to do one thing to treat everyone no matter what faith or lack of faith to treat our planet, to treat creation as if God is going to save and reconcile everything. That is the call to a Christian. So this morning, whether you're on top of the world or the world is on top of you, Remember that the God of grace and God of glory goes with you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.